If you will open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, that's where we will be today. If you're new here at Refuge, uh, uh, expository preaching is a high value for us, preaching verse by verse through the text. And we, uh, our elders had chosen some time ago that we would preach through Acts. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit led us there. And, and we are just really kind of getting started into uh, Acts. Uh, so we'll pick up in Acts chapter 3. Verse 11 is where we will actually be today. And we'll read through verse, actually part of verse 19. Anybody need a Bible? Raise your hand if you need a Bible. We'll put one in your hands. I don't be ashamed if you didn't bring one. Nope, we're good. Awesome. I love that you people bring your Bibles. Oh, right here, one. PK. All right, Acts chapter 3. We'll pick up at verse 11. This is, um, this is what uh, the text said. <clears throat> what it says, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the, faith that is, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did all your rulers. But what God has foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled." Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And I'll stop right there in the middle of that sentence because we'll pick up the next one, the rest of it next week. Let me pray again. God, help us today as we have opened your word to see what it is that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's jump right in. Verse 11, this is what the text says. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And so uh, note how what the text says, how this lame man that we talked about last week, how this lame man actually clung to Peter and John. And so if you remember from last week, he was lame from birth and, uh, and they came over him and they said what? In the name of who? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Rise and walk. That's what he told him last week. And what happened? He got up. <laughs> he got up and walked, okay? He got up and he walked is what happened. So he was, this man was the gracious recipient of a miracle, a miracle that had been done all in the name of Jesus. And honestly, the, the, the text shows us that he had no desire to go anywhere else. He, he didn't want to go anywhere else. He didn't want to go home. He didn't want to go hang out at the coffee shop. He didn't want to go, you know, down to the market and walk around and just kind of see what was up. He wanted to hang out uh, with Jesus. His life was changed. He was there was a difference in his life. 
He wasn't just laying, he wasn't dependent upon people carrying him around. He was once crippled, lame from birth, but now he could walk. And he was lingering close. He wanted to be close to this Jesus. The one who begged for crumbs now could go where he pleased. Now his longings were different. He used, to be diff- he used to be dependent on someone to take him and lay him before the beautiful gate is what our text told us last week. But now he chose where he would go. He chose where he would be. He chose the people that he would be close to. He chose the places where he would go. Oh, the places where he would go. And he chose to be the one uh, next to the ones that introduced him to the great healer, the great I am, the great God and King, Jesus, the one we just sang about. He chose to be close to those dudes. I would say he was pretty grateful to be the recipient uh, of the gift of grace that he received on being able to walk again. Would you say that? Yes? This middle section says yes. I don't know about the cheap seat. What about the cheap seats? Or, would y'all agree back there? Give me one of these back in the cheap seats. Come on, if you agree, all right. Charismatics in the back. Uh, so I would say this, Refuge. If that's the case, if that's the case, whenever this man could just get up and walk, they said, hey, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because that's what they said. And he was great. He was so grateful to be able to walk again. My goodness, church, how much more is our gracious gift of being made alive in Christ. Here's what's happened to us, church people. This has become old and dull to us. The fact that we have been given new life, eternal life, hope, future, that our, that our, our, our eternity is secure has become old and dull and wrote to us many, many times. We, we sometimes go, I'll go to church if I feel like it. I'll gather with God's people if I feel like it. I'll go worship Jesus. I'll sing if I feel like it. Whenever we've had much more given to us. I mean, it would be incredible, right, if we were lame and could not walk and someone told us, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, right? I mean, that would be incredible. And we've seen even things like that happen here, where the Holy Spirit has chosen, where we have prayed over and with people, and we've seen God heal people. We've seen God open wombs and grant babies to people. We've just seen the miraculous works of God, even in our own midst. But how much more that we've been granted eternal life in Christ Jesus, that we can, decl- that we can sing grand and glorious songs like we've sung today and somehow just kind of barely go through the motions with them. Come on, people. You with me? Two people are with me. I ain't trying to make you be something crazy. I just want you to understand the gift that we've been granted. The gift that we've been gifted in Christ Jesus. Eternal life. That whenever one day, whatever day that is, whenever you close your eyes in this life, to be absent from the body is to what? Be present with the Lord if you are in Christ Jesus. What a glorious gift that is. To be born again. Turn back with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, this is what the text says. 
Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Read that with me. Read verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It was true then, it's true today. Okay? That is a truth that, uh, that uh, was declared to Nicodemus. It's a truth that I'm declaring to you today. It was true then, it's true today. Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? You know, I mean, he was like, I don't get it. Uh, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus shook his head. No, he didn't. That's not what it says. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And he's, he's going, hey man, the spirit is the one who moves. The spirit is the one who comes. The spirit is the one who awakens us to the gospel. The Spirit is the one who uh, makes you finally hear what it is that people declare to you. I can preach all day. Our pastors can stand in this pulpit and preach all day, which we do every week, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you must be born again. And until the Spirit moves, no one will be born again. Amen? Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is not of Scott. Salvation is not of the refuge. Salvation is not of anything else, but salvation is of the Lord. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, well, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you, earth, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, uh, referring to the Old Testament. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That, that is a whole other sermon. Then we, get to the, then we get to the crux of this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I think 17 is just as important. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Okay? Let me just say this. To some of you who are not Christians yet, and we like to say yet because we're believing for you to be saved. We are hoping, we are praying, we are declaring, and we are asking the Holy Spirit to awaken your dead heart to the good news of the gospel. So why we declare it. That happens in preaching. When the, when the word is preached, the Holy Spirit uses that. We'll get to that in just a second. We're praying that your heart will be awakened to the good news of the gospel, that you will repent of your sins. We'll get to that. You'll turn, you'll believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you'll put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus. For God so loved the world, God so loved you that he gave his only son, Jesus. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life, will not perish, but have eternal life. And then listen. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you. Christ, listen, Christians don't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you. God is not here to condemn you. You are condemned already. 
you're born into sin. You will die in your sins because of the fact that you were born unless you repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and believe the good news of the gospel that Jesus came, lived a sinless life that you cannot live. He died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins and God raised him up from the dead. And your only hope in life and death is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. That is what it means to believe the gospel. You must be born again. Uh, Turn back into Acts. That's where we're going to go again. We're not back to Acts 3, but just pass Acts 3 and go to Acts chapter 8. What's so important about this preacher? Why do you, you feel so fervent about this preacher? Why are you yelling at us today? Yeah, amen. <laughs> Calm down, preacher. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. There is, there is some expediency about needing to be born again. If you are here, you're hearing my voice today. If you're watching online today, there's some urgency about being born again. This is not something for us to put off. Acts chapter 8, we'll pick up in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go uh, toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went there and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Get that picture? So this is the dude that had dedicated himself to the church. He's riding along in this chariot, you know, and he's bumping around, he's trying to read the scroll, you know. He's trying to read it, and he's reading Isaiah from the Old Testament. That's pretty strong stuff. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he's chucking it down the road to catch up with his chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage in the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation... In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? You see what the eunuch says? He's like, is Isaiah talking about himself? He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what I'm reading. 35. Then Philip opened up his mouth and began with the script and beginning with the scripture, meaning the Old Testament, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and they baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his rejoicing. But Philip found himself at this place, and he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And so do you see what happens? The gospel was preached, and he was like, oh my goodness, I see that Jesus is the one who has fulfilled all of this. That there is salvation found in no other. The entire Old Testament was pointing to the deliverer that was to come. The only one who can forgive us of our sins, who can make us alive, who gives us a hope and a future. And it was found in Jesus. And that what does he explain to it. And as soon as he heard it, he believed. And he's like, stop the horses. Stop the horses. Get down out of the chariot. Baptize him. Pow-yow. And he, because he knew he wanted that to happen right away. It was urgency in that. There was expediency in that. 
The same thing applies today. There's urgency for you. There's expedience for you. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. How can there be a more gracious gift than to be born again? For someone to stand and declare the good news of the gospel to you and for you to turn your heart away, for you to move it on and I'll do it another day. I'm going to keep having my own, I'm going to do my own thing and turn away another day. Not for this man. He wanted to be around the things of the Lord. And I pray not for you, church. Not for you. Maybe you've walked in for the first time. Maybe you've been coming here for three weeks. Maybe you've been coming here for three years. But there's urgency to respond to the good news of the gospel, to have the gift of eternal life, the assurance of eternal security. Uh, Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And nobody snatches them out of my hands. Do you realize that once you're born again, once you have repented of your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus, that no one snatches you out of Jesus' hands? You may have grown up in a different faith tradition. Listen, this is important. You may have grown up in a different faith tradition where it says, hey, when I sin, then I might lose my salvation and I have to become saved again. That's not what the Bible teaches, okay? The Bible says that whenever Jesus saves us, whenever we repent, turn from our sins, and put our faith and trust in the only wise one, the only God, our Savior Jesus, that we are eternally secure. That no one, Jesus says, snatches you out of his hands. If it's a true conversion, if you have truly repented of your sins and truly believe the gospel, you are eternally secure forevermore. Amen? That's good news, people. That is good news. To be known by God to be called his son or his daughter, to be adopted into his family, to be given the full rights of being in God's family. Salvation calls us to be awe-inspired just like this man was who was healed. He wanted to be around the things of God because he had been rescued not only from his, his physical uh, infirmities, but from his spiritual ones as well. Verse 11 also tells us that the people were utterly astounded by what had occurred. Remember, this guy was lame from birth. He had been literally laying at the gate, the Bible tells us, for his entire life. That people picked him up and, and put him in a place daily from where he would beg for alms, which were just anything that you've got, table scraps to feed himself, and he would beg there every day, and then someone would have to carry him back home. As a matter of fact, let's try that again like we did last week. Where are my volunteers from last week? I'm just kidding. No, we're not, we're not going to do that again. I, I heard I was going to pick you this time. Uh, uh, there, I, I was told that they, they were complaining last week, those four big dudes. Remember those four big dudes? Remember them from last week? Big, strong, athlete dudes, you know, came up here, and, we're strong, we're strong. And then this girl, you know, she plays the lame person, and they were, had to carry her to the back door uh, three times, and they were all complaining about it. But remember from last week, the same person that we're talking about, every day of their life, every day of their life, they were placed there, and suddenly people came and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. That never had to happen again, never had to be carried again. And, 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 and this person was following them, and they were so enamored by the fact uh, that, that, that he, was, he was like, I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And the, the Bible tells us that the people were astonished, too, because they had seen him laying out there his entire life, 
and suddenly they see him like probably skipping with them. You're like, hey, where are we going next? Wherever you're going, I'm going. All the people were amazed and, and, and people were walking. They were seeing him walk and they were amazed as well. Let's keep going. Verse 12. When Peter saw it, whenever he saw that the people were amazed by the fact that this person was uh, 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 walking with them and, and they were enamored by them, you know, they were enamored. They were like, oh my goodness, these people just told him to get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And so they're like enamored with Peter and John. So verse 12 says, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you wonder at the fact that he can actually just get up and walk? Or why do you stare at us? Why are you looking at me, bro? As though our own power or piety, we have made them walk. He's like, I mean, this is amazing, but this is not the thing. The getting up and walking is not the thing. Or why are you staring at me? Because I am not the thing. Don't miss it. I am not the thing. We didn't do our own, we didn't do this in our own power or our own religiosity by just going through this rote thing and saying some particular words over and over again. People said, uh, Peter said, don't look at me, you look to another. This ain't about me, it's about somebody else. There's another that you should be looking to. And I'll be honest with you, that could be a commentary on the state of the church today. That, that in itself is a commentary on the state of the church today. Because what happens today? People look for this, the sensational. People look for the sensational. What's, what's the score? Uh, but it wasn't my phone. <laughs> Think about what you'd see whenever you turn on the TV today. Think about what you see. If you turn it on to any type of religious broadcasting today, typically what you see is big and bold and lights dancing around the stage and fog billowing out from places and it's just some kind of big show over and over, over and over. Now, listen, I, I'm not saying that's bad. I kind of like a show as well as anybody. I'm, I'm trying to get tickets to the Orpheum and, and so I, I love big and, and bold and things like that. I love that kind of stuff. But what you see today and the things that seems to draw people around is this type of atmosphere. This type of atmosphere. I'll say this, that what you win people with is what you have to keep people with. Okay? What you win people with, you have to keep people with. One of our things that we say in student ministry is that we don't do puppies and cotton candy. Okay? Come on, stand up. We don't do puppies and cotton candy in student ministry with because what you win them with, you have to keep them with. You understand what I'm saying? We're not doing, we're not playing games in student ministry. Oh, well, we, I mean, we play games, but not like, we don't play games, you know. Uh, <laughs> we're not playing around in student ministry. We're not, uh, we're not asking you to come. We're not entertaining your children, your young people, uh, 18, 25. We're not trying to entertain some young adults uh, in anything that we do because what you win them with is what you have to keep them with. And the, and the great disconnect 
And many times, especially with our children, is they get wan with puppies and cotton candy, and whenever they get to be 25 years old and have to sit in here, you know, it's kind of boring listening to Pastor Scott. I don't, li- I don't get any puppies, and he ain't giving out no snacks. I don't see no Skittles, preacher. You know what I'm saying? What you win them with, you have to keep them with. And I'm so thankful that we are feeding our young people from middle school to high school to young adults with the Word of God. You know what your children do whenever they come to students? You know what one of their sections is? Silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. Do you know what they do? They put their phones down. They give them to you guys. They, they have to put them, they have to like throw them in a bucket, I think. And, and they don't get them during this time. And they bring their Bibles and they open it and they read it and they listen for the Holy Spirit to teach them something from it in silence and in solitude. And do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? Stirring in amongst them. Awakening those young people to the gospel. Awakening people that have never heard the message before and awakening them to come to life in Christ Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what I'm talking about. We're not doing sensational around here. We're doing the gospel. But you know what else besides sensational? It's the supernatural. Now, don't get me wrong here because, um, or what, I would say what seems to be the supernatural. Our text from last week and continuing in today really was supernatural. That he was, this man was healed and he was able to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do believe that that is really supernatural. Remember what Peter said to this man? We've already talked about it. I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And again, that's just not the norm today. That's what we do in student ministry. We, we proclaim the things and the truths from Jesus. But there are too many people that some of you still watch and some of you online. Where's my camera? There we are. That some of you still watch some of these garbage people, and you know who I'm talking to, that sits right over here, so we don't watch those people. And if you have a question about some people that you might be watching on, online, ask me. I'll probably tell you not to watch them. I'll probably tell you not to watch them. There's so many of these so-called faith healers that come on that they can heal the number of infirmities and crowds flock to them because people are desperate for hope. People are desperate for hope. But typically what happens is there are charlatans who bleed people for their dollars and give them some type of fake garbage where they might feel better for an instant and continue believing that stuff while shelling out everything they've got in their pocket. That is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is is fake supernatural stuff that's simply staged and sus. Come on. Can I get an amen out of this crew? And rather than love and healing, it seems like they're full of whiskey and hate. Drunk on their own delusion. 
milking people out of their money. That's garbage. However, if you are truly in need of healing, we do believe that God heals people. Amen? Amen. If you are in true need of healing, we're not asking for your money. You know what we're asking for? We're asking you to come and call the elders like the scripture teaches us. Call on the elders of your church and for the elders of the church to come and anoint your head with oil and to lay hands on you and pray and ask the God of heaven to come and heal your body. That's what the scripture calls us to. And that's what we do at Refuge Church. And that's what it looks like to call and ask for healing. That's where we've seen God work. And sometimes he works and sometimes he heals people. And sometimes he delays his healing. And sometimes he heals people by taking them home. And taking them out of this broken body. Taking them out of the, the, the crippleness or whatever the thing is that they're dealing with. And takes them home to a home of glory where they don't have to deal with this stuff anymore anymore. It says, healing is not for fame. Healing is done in private. Healing is not something to put on the camera and, and to show before the entire world so that you can ask for people's more money. If you're a healer, you claim to have the healing power, you want money, meet me at St. Jude. Listen, this is God's church. Christians are God's people. Supernatural belongs to God, not the money hungry today. I may. But people look only not to the sensational or the supernatural. They look to this too. They look to the sexy. I'm not talking about me. In case you are confused. Sometimes people have moved to things in the church that don't even look like the church at all. Some rely on their cleverness of their creative team to come up with something and the latest thing. They push the, the envelope so close to the creative ideas of today and want their ministry to be sexy. Sexy sells. Sexy draws people. Sexy entices but many people have forgotten the clear directions from the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures. Romans chapter 10 says this, For everyone, in verse 13, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he talks about how that happens. He's like, get brighter lights, push in more fog, bring in a faith healing time, pass the basket multiple times, and if you get enough, then more people will be saved. Isn't that what it says? Of course not. That's not what it says. Verse 14 says, how will they who call on him, uh, how will, excuse me, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the, uh, the feet of those who preach the good news. How does this happen? We begin by preaching the gospel. That's what happens. We don't need sensational. We don't need feigned supernatural and we don't need sexy. We need more men like John and Paul from our text who say, this, uh, this you see before is not through our own power or piety, which means our own reverence. We're not so reverent that God has to respond to us. They're saying, that's not what this is about. 
We need men like John MacArthur who would stand in a pulpit and preach, for, uh, preach the Bible for a lot of years. I don't care if you don't like him. He preaches the Bible. There's some things I don't agree with John MacArthur on. But that man stood in a pulpit and preached for years the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need more people like R.C. Sproul, who for years stood in a pulpit and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over. There's things that I don't agree with R.C. Sproul about, and that's okay. We need more people like Adrian Rogers, who stood in a pulpit in this city and preached the gospel faithfully. There's things that I don't agree with Adrian Rogers about, but he preached the gospel faithfully for years and years in the city. We need more people like John Piper, who would stand in a pulpit for years and preach the gospel. There are people that I don't agree with, things that I don't agree with John Piper, but he stood and he preached the gospel faithfully over and over. And you need people, men like are in this church your elders in this church who stand in this pulpit and preach the gospel faithfully over and over, year after year, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, that there's hope found in only one, and his name is Jesus. Yes, walking again for this man had to be incredible. But even more is the fact that he had faith in the one, the one who could deliver him from his infirmities. And he had faith and the one who not only could deliver him from his infirmities but, could, infirmities, but could also deliver his soul from death. And that was the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he said, you must be born again. What does sensationalism get you? Experiential emotionalism that dies and fades quickly. It's shallow, it's snooshy, it's temporary, it's all those weird things. What does immersing yourself in the spirit and the teaching of the gospel get you? It gets you deeper roots in the gospel. Deeper roots in the good news of the gospel. Deeper roots in what it is that God has to teach us. Deeper roots are important. Hey, you remember the story of the three pigs? Three little pigs? What happened in the story of the three little pigs? Y'all don't even know the story. Oh, that's a long time ago, preacher. I ain't, we sent the kids out. What happened? Yeah, so the big bad wolf came, right? And so these three little pigs, and they go build these three houses. And the first one builds his house out of what? Straw. And what happened? The big bad wolf came, and he huffed, and he puffed, and what? Blew the house down. Well, the second little pig, what did the second little pig do? Built his house out of what? Sticks. And the big bad wolf came, and he huffed, and he puffed, and what? Blew the house down. And the third little pig, what did he build his house out of? Bricks. And he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed. And what happened? Nothing happened. The, the house stood. Why did that house stand? Sound like the Hamburglar again. I'll just take you to the scripture and see what it says because it references the three little pigs. Actually, it doesn't. But you'll understand what I'm trying to say. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and so did the big bad wolf and beat on their house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Sensationalism gets you no roots. Sensationalism is like building your house out of straw. Sensationalism is like building your house out of sticks. But immersing yourself in the long, steady, difficult road and becoming a disciple of Jesus, build your house upon the rock. The rock of Jesus Christ. The rock of the life, death, and resurrection found only in Jesus. Let's keep moving. Peter goes on in the sermon, verse 13, and says this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servants, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life who God raised up from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And so Peter didn't cut them any slack. I mean, he didn't let up on them at all. He told them that God glorified his servant, Jesus. And it was the very ones present, the ones he was speaking to, who had delivered Jesus over to Pilate. They're like, they were coming around. They're like, oh, look what's going on around here. This is exciting. We want to follow. And then all of a sudden, Peter stands up and is like, it is you who delivered Jesus over. It is you who delivered him over to the magistrates and the rulers. It is you who asked for this known murderer to be released. And it is you, the very ones present in my company, Peter said, you are the very ones who had Jesus killed, the author of life. You voted to have him put to death. And it was, despite their best efforts, despite the fact that they wanted to keep Jesus dead, he did not stay dead. He was raised from the dead. He overcame death. And that's the one who gives us the opportunity to overcome death and hell and the grave because he conquered death. You and I can as well. That we get eternal life. Peter said, we are witnesses to this very thing. You are the ones who did this. And I'm, I'm saying to you that you are the ones who caused Jesus to have to suffer what he did. So Peter said, it is not us who causes this man to rise up and walk. It is not us who did it, but the very one, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Go look at verse 16. He says this, and his name, talking about Jesus, by faith in his name has made this man strong, this one who we're talking about, whom you see and you know. He's like, you know this dude. He's been laying out here his entire life. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health and in the presence of you all. He said, this was done in the power of, the, of Jesus Christ, our King. We just sang a song about that. You just declared these things. If you sang, you said, there's a beautiful name. His name is Jesus. There's a wonderful name. His name is Jesus. There's a powerful name. His name is Jesus. And in 2023, we're declaring the same truths that Peter did in the scriptures right here, that Jesus alone is the one who breathes life and healing and restoration to anyone who believes. You need spiritual restoration? Do you need spiritual healing? Do you need to be made alive? I can't give that to you. 
I can only declare the one who can. This church cannot give that to you. But we can point you to the one who can. Just like the apostles did here, they said, his name is Jesus. He is the one. He is the one who can rescue you from your sin. He is the one who can give you new life. He is the one who can give you hope in a future. He is the one that can make the darkness turn into light. Peter said, I know that many of you didn't know what you were doing. I know that you, you had no idea that you were killing the king of glory. Your eyes were blinded. You operated out of ignorance. Look what it says in verse 17 and 18. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. And so, so we know that all this was prophesied about Jesus suffering. And now uh, Peter says, all this has been fulfilled. All this is now has been brought to fruition, the things that were prophesied in the Older Testament. Now, I can only imagine that the people that were listening to this were kind of dumbfounded. I mean, you know, again, they were skipping around with a new guy that could walk, and suddenly Peter just stops, and he's like, points his finger at them and tells them all this stuff that we just talked about, and I'm sure they were dumbfounded. I mean, they came to marvel at the sideshow. They were like, hey, there's something exciting over here. Shiny coin over here. Let's go watch and see what's happening over here. This guy can walk, which is amazing. And they're like, hey, man, bring the kids. We're going to want to document this and chisel this in a rock somewhere because this dude had been lame for life and now he can walk again. Then they were confronted with their own heinous sin that they were the ones who killed the king of glory. And that may be just like some of you today. The truth is, some of you still live in ignorance. Some of you still live with your heads in the spiritual sand. Some of you think that living this life of rebellion and doing your own thing is really the only hope in, in this life is just do what you can do and then that's all there is. But I've been sent. I've been sent by God the Holy Spirit today to declare to you this same message that was declared to these guys. Repent, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. If you are outside the household of faith today, that's what I'm declaring to you. Repent, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Repent of your sins against your rebellion against the one who has given you life, your creator. Turn back from the pathway that you may find yourself on today toward division or toward destruction or toward the devil himself. Why do we do this, preacher? Why do you want me to turn back, preacher? Why should I repent? Why should I ask this God who I've been running away from to forgive me for something? Why? So that your sins may be forgiven. So that your sins won't be held against you. The, the text says, so that they could be blotted out. We don't use that word much unless you spilled something on your clothing, right? How do sometimes we get the stain off? 
We blot it. Do you know what blotting is? Some of you do. Some of you have no idea. Blotting is, if you've got a stain on your clothing, then sometimes you take water and you put it on a cloth and you touch all over the places where the stain is. And you keep covering it with this, with this pure substance until the stain is blotted out and it goes away. What a perfect word to be used here. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That stain of sin gets touched by the presence and the power and the purity of Jesus Christ and they go away. They disappear. They're never to be remembered. Put that shirt on and wear it, bro. Because you don't see the stain of sin any longer. Listen, the Bible tells us without the, sh the shedding of the precious blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins for anyone. If Jesus didn't shed his precious blood, there would be no sins that would be forgiven. Yet Jesus did shed his precious blood on the cross. He did die in the place that you and I should be punished by God. He took the wrath of God in our place. He interceded for us. He intercepted the wrath of God in our place so that we don't have to experience that anymore. The wrath of God was poured out on someone else rather than us whenever we receive the gift of eternal life. And so listen, there are two options about the wrath of God and whether it will be poured out. It's either going to be poured out on Jesus or it's going to be poured out on you. That's the options. The wrath of God either was full fury on Jesus or it's going to be full fury on you. There are no other options. You don't want to endure the wrath of God. Peter's message was the message to the people that were listening and watching that day. Come to Jesus. Repent. Turn back. Change direction that your sins may be blotted out. Listen to me. This is important. With this I'm going to close. There is no heart in this room no heart in this room that God cannot conquer. There is no life to anyone hearing my voice that God cannot change. There's no past, any of your past, that God cannot forgive. Today, turn from your sins. Build your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. Have your sins forever and eternally blotted out. Today. Today. Come to Jesus. Let me pray.